Welcome to Hive Mind. I'm Meg, and I'm here with Eli. Hey, Eli. Hello. Just here with my iced coffee. Mm, Did you see that? Thin juice. One of my favorite tweet tweets ever was like a year or two ago. It was this gay guy, and he said, uh, "When a gay shakes his iced coffee, that's the same as a rattlesnake's tail." <laughs> There's something to that effect. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. Um. What have you been watching? Mm. Okay. First, I just need to start. I came across on Twitter this morning a new show called Dilf Mansion. Oh, have my you seen God. this? No. Where are you watching it? <laughs> Tell me right now. Meg, no, no, no. You're gonna die. Everything I'm about to say about this, each sentence is going to be more and more unhinged. Okay, and I okay, need to. I cannot wait. I thought I was like, oh, this is like a Thirty Rock type parody. There's no way yeah, this is Milf real. Milf Island. Yeah. Dilf Mansion, and the premise of the show, as far as I can tell is it's a bunch of daddies. They call them daddies, like gay. Like zaddy. Uh, no, not like zaddy. Oh, daddy. Daddy. Okay, okay. Gay okay. daddies. Uh, so like dad bods in their 40s. Yeah. And they're all in this mansion. And then there are a bunch of like young himbos. <laughs> <laughs> so it's daddies and himbos. And the himbos all want a daddy because they've all been looking for love in the wrong place. Well, yeah. And the daddies want a himbo. And I... Uh, it is hosted by, and I'm about to say a name that is the last person you're predicting, <clears throat> Stormy Daniel. No! <laughs> I thought you were going to say Newt Gingrich or something. Oh, that would have been amazing. No, it's hosted by Stormy Daniels. The budget of the show is one and a half dollars. Yeah, perfect. The winning couple, so like, I guess... I don't know if it's like a bachelor type of elimination. I don't know how it works when you have a bunch of, uh, but the winning couple gets ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars. That's it to start their life together. That does not cover the cost to take off work to do the no, show. No, 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 no. Where is this? I don't know. Um, I just look. I think it might even just be like a YouTube series. My gosh. Um, but somebody tweeted about it this morning, and I watched the preview, and I was like, this isn't real. Yeah. And especially when they said Stormy Daniels was hosting, I was like, oh, this is hilarious. But then I Googled it. No, it's a real show, Meg. Oh, my gosh. Um, I cannot wait. Yeah, so I'm not going to watch this, but like, I, I think you're the target will. audience. Yeah. Yeah, a, a Bachelor-type series about gay men this is you're the target audience. One thousand percent. We'll be tuning in every week. <laughs> yeah, Stormy People Magazine. Stormy Daniels helps daddies and himbos find an epic romance in For the Love of Dilfs. Oh, is it called For the Love of Dilfs? That's not even like a good play on words. I thought it was called Dilf Mansion. Maybe they've changed the name. I don't know. But everybody go check it out if you're interested. All right. Um, this last weekend, Skylar and I finally went to the movie theater, theatre, and saw The Whale, starring okay. Brendan Fraser. Look. Okay. <laughs> People Darren have... Aronofsky, right? Yeah. I incorrectly assumed it was Noah Baumbach. I don't know why. Because I think maybe Noah Baumbach mm. did Squid in the Whale, and in my brain, it got jumbled. Okay. I've been wanting to see this for a while because it's been getting a ton of press for months. Right? Have you seen a lot of the press? Yeah, it? yeah, and they got uh, at Vienna. Was it Vienna or Cannes or something? It got like a huge standing ovation, which all movies do. But it was like the movie everybody was talking about. Brendan Fraser specifically got a huge, like a ten-minute yeah. standing ovation. Which, like, how does 
could you stand and clap for 10 minutes? Absolutely not. After about 35 seconds, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, we got it. We got it. Thanks, guys. Uh, And he, you know, very tearful. He was very tearful. Uh, Brendan Fraser, people love him. I mean, comeback king. Comeback king. Rooting for him. Uh, He's he's had a rough go. Apparently, he's a super nice guy. Uh, And here's my theory. Look, The Whale... This is a bad movie. Okay. This movie is bad. Okay. And I think people are so excited about Brendan Fraser that they're they're conflating their excitement for him with the quality of this film, which is once again, I will say bad. Okay. So if you've never heard of this, The Whale, it's a, it's a play. It's clearly a play. Yeah. Cuz there are I think only five people who even show up in the movie at all. The entire thing takes place in this guy's apartment. They, they don't leave the apartment at all. Um, and so it's a very simple set. It's a very, like, clearly, you know, not a high-budgeted film. And it's about this man who weighs seven, 800 pounds. Mm-hmm. He's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, he's sequestered to his apartment. Uh, and it explores over the course of a week kind of how he got that way, the trauma that sort of led to that, and his relationships with a, a couple of people and how they've been affected by the fact that he has gained all this weight. Um, with the exception of Brendan Fraser, everyone in it is overacting to a degree that it's embarrassing. Who else is in it? I, I just felt so cringy. So um, it has the girl who plays Eleven in oh, yeah. Stranger Things. Molly, I can't remember her name. She's terrible in this. I'm Millie, so sorry. Millie Bobby Brown, right? I don't know what her name is. Uh, she's terrible in this. Oh, that's too bad. Um, and then it has a couple of people that I was not familiar with. And then, this is a deep cut. You're not going to remember this at all. But in the second Jurassic, no, the first Jurassic World movie, remember there were like two boys that go to the island? Of course. Because the, their parents are getting divorced. The younger boy is now an adult and he is in this and he is playing a missionary of a church that's like a fake church but it's very clearly supposed to be a more like oh, supposed really? to be a mormon missionary um very clearly <laughs> and who keeps coming to the apartment to help the guy yeah um and it, it's he's terrible and everybody's ter- brendan fraser is really good in it though okay um and and the fact that he is so good really highlights how bad everybody else is in it. Okay. The dialogue is so cheesy, so on the nose. And this film has gotten criticism for being fat phobic. And after watching it, I think it's a little bit fair okay. of, of a criticism. Tell uh, me why. Because the film is exploring addiction generally and this the man the main character has an addiction to food mm-hmm. it depicts some other addictions so there's an alcoholic in the in the film as well for example so it's, it's depicting kind of this idea of addiction and how it can like wreck your life and this man's life is wrecked by yeah. an addiction to food you know i think everybody would would see this person in real life and agree like yeah that's unhealthy like this is ki- literally killing him um where the film i think doesn't have a very helpful nuanced conversation is they depict other characters being disgusted by him and it is not the film's position at least as as far as i could read the film that being disgusted by somebody um, because they have you know an addiction or because they're very fat is wrong in some way it's almost like well naturally they're all disgusted by him because look at him okay and it's like that's not i I don't know so i I think if i was a fat person watching this film i'd be like i kind of don't like 
I don't think that they're very delicately talking about what this man is going through okay. in some ways. I don't know. The I, other characters or the film itself aren't the, delicately. I think the film it. itself. Okay. Because you can have obviously you can have characters say and do awful things without endorsing those things. Yeah. And I feel like this film would have the characters behave in a way that if you were sensitive to fat phobia, you would be like, that's not, you know, that's not an appropriate way to to respond to another human being. But then the movie didn't make any effort to call that out or be like, and this is something that should be corrected. It was more like, and naturally we would act like this because look at him. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I'd be curious, you know, other people's thoughts on this or just Google it because the conversation is constantly ongoing. I think this is a bad film. Um, Darren Aronofsky is notorious for making divisive films the black swan mm. um noah mother people either <laughs> loved or hated did mother. you see it no i never did either i know what happens in it there's no way i could handle it absolutely okay. no way at all okay. but it truly like some people like ruined their relationship with god and some people were like this is the best movie i've ever seen and some people were like this is so incredibly stupid like there's no one who doesn't have a strong opinion on mother and by the way it's not called mother it's called mother mother with like three <laughs> explanation points so like i'm not surprised to hear that you're like i don't know about this we and and again the biggest thing though was it was so cringy because the dialogue and the acting was so bad and when it, and it's really long too. When it ended, I turned to Skylar and I was like, "That was a bad movie." And Skylar said, "I am so relieved to hear you say that because I did not want to drive home and have you talk about how good this was." So the Producers Guild of America uh, nominated it for Best Picture. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know if the Oscars are going to do the same, but we'll get to that. Um, anything and, else? Yes. And then on Sunday night, we watched All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh yeah. Oof. Um. Oh my goodness, I have not stopped thinking about this movie. So it's a German film. It's a remake of, well, it, there was a 1929 book, All Quiet on the Western Front, which is apparently a masterpiece. I have not read it. Then they made a film in 1930 based on the book that won Best Picture. It's like a classic film. I've never seen it. There was a remake in the 70s, I think. And then now they've remade it again. Uh, this is, it, it's it's an absolute masterpiece. It's the best war film I've ever seen. Mm. It is the most brutal film I have ever seen. It is so violent and gory. It's about World War I, uh, about these German soldiers, and it focuses specifically on one German sh German soldier who is fantastic in this. And they cast somebody who like is le legitimately looks like he's 18, mm -hmm. which really kind of brings home the we're sending children to war message. Yeah. The point and kind of thesis of this film is war in general but world war one specifically it was a complete waste yeah totally pointless nothing was gained it was horrific and this film you feel like you're watching the depths of hell for mm -hmm. two and a half hours mm -hmm. um i don't handle gore and violence very well and so it was really hard for me but i it was i have not stopped thinking about it wow. and it was really interesting when it ended um skyler said you know, it's interesting. We always have these conversations about when we watch violence depicted in media, are we desensitizing society to violence? And he's like, but this kind of film, I don't feel like is desensitizing me, but it's making me like never want to engage in violence because it, it was so horrific and there's no hero story in it. There's no glory in it at all. Yeah. You know, like you have a lot of war films like Saving Private Ryan, for example, that like depict the horror, but also there's like a hero story to root for. 
And this is a film where like, the only thing you're rooting for is for all of this to stop. Yeah. And um, and it just it just descends into more and more horror and horror and horror. And then the movie's over and you're just kind of left like, what the hell are we doing in yeah. our society? Like, what is humanity? You know, um, it's outrageously good. I think people should watch it, but you do need to brace yourself because there you will see images that you will not be able to unsee. This movie legitimately makes the first 30 minutes of Saving Private Ryan look like a Disney film. Okay. And it's unrelenting. So, did I, I mean, sell it? <laughs> well, I just want to chime in on the are we desensitizing society to violence. I think if we're going to show violence, we should show violence. We should show what getting shot in the head actually looks like. I think what desensitizes is someone getting shot in the head and the camera panning away so you're not left to reckon with the horror of what that actually does to a human body. What about like Quentin Tarantino um, type violence? The problem I have with Quentin Tarantino is it makes it fun. Mm -hmm. It makes gore fun. Um, I think maybe that's still preferable, like showing the actual gore to like a cutaway. I haven't thought through this enough to like give you a real opinion on it, but. I think I think my answer is if we're going to show violence, we need to show violence. And Quentin Tarantino probably does that better than other filmmakers. To to your point about showing like what the violence does to a person, um, there's a point in the film pretty deep in. And I think this is in the book because I think this was also in the original film as well. Um, but the main character who, again, is like this kid, he's really young. He is he has spent, you know, two hours of film time just committing horrors and seeing horrors committed and <clears throat> they're in battle in the trenches and he ends up in this mud pit with this soldier for french soldier and he ends up stabbing the french soldier just a whole bunch of times and then the french soldier kind of falls back and they're in this like hellish mud pit while war is happening around them and he looks at this guy and the guy's struggling to breathe and it like it's like this shock comes over him and mm -hmm. he realizes what he just did mm -hmm. and what he's been doing and it's one of the most well-acted scenes I've ever seen in a movie, but he has this complete panic meltdown where it, you just, like, feel the horror of, like, what he's realizing about his war. situation and war. And he, he tries to save the man, but he and it's futile, and he's screaming and sobbing and just, like, shaking, mm -hmm. and, his, and his whole face is covered in mud and blood. And it is, like, I was, like, watching this, and, I, and it just... They, they so effectively, not just in this scene, but throughout the movie, get the point across of like, look what is happening to the people who are just like thrown into these conflicts and without any consent, really, you know, in these cases, like he's this kid is just thrown into war and is forced to do this kind of thing to somebody. And man, it is it's brutal, okay. brutal, brutal, brutal. I mean, wow. Can't wait to watch it. Yeah. And I, I think it will be nominated for Best Picture. I, so. I agree. Um, and then. Finally, I don't know why. I think because I watched two bummer of a movies in a row, yeah. The Whale and All Quiet. Uh, I I started rewatching the final season of Parenthood. Oh my gosh! Because <laughs> you want to cry more. I think I just like wanted something comforting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I this show is so it's such a blast to the past for me. I loved Parenthood when it was on. Too. I'm enjoying my rewatch. I can't stand a third of the characters. Really? But, yeah, because they they're too yelly. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like, and my I don't come from a yelly family. Neither like we never I. fight with each other. Yeah. And so I watch this and I'm like, you guys need to chill. Yeah. Like, like be stop. a little more waspy. Yeah. Please. Yes, please. 
Anyway, so that's what I've been watching. Cool. How about you? Uh, I'm watching Andor, to the surprise of everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, tell me about it. Um, I'm not a Star Wars girly. I, I never have been. Uh, and I've given it the old college try. Like, I have tried to watch Star Wars, The Mandalorian. I was like, this is fine. This mm-hmm. is fine. I pretended to like it more than I actually did. But so many people who I trust and respect, and I think the one who really tipped me over the edge was Lindsay, who is a frequent contributor to this podcast. She texted me and she said, you need to watch Andor. And so I said, okay, I'm in. And it is so good. Um, and so <laughs> minimally Star Wars. that oh. It's not distracting. The, the um, premise is what? The premise is there is this character named Cassian Andor who gets, for a variety of reasons, kind of becomes a mercenary for the rebellion. Um, the rebellion meaning against the Empire, which is a stand-in for, like, all imperialism. Okay. Um, and there's a series of events, many of which I haven't seen yet, but I'm anticipating um, with his involvement in the rebellion. Um, it is so beautiful. Um, the set design is incredible. The acting is so good. It's the same writer who did Jason Bourne. So it's very like heisty and government relationships and how that affects real people's lives. There's a lot of the Senate. There's a lot of like palace intrigue within the Empire. I am really, really enjoying it. Uh Uh-huh. Cool. Where do you watch it? Disney Plus. In the basement, on the basement. In the, on the basement TV. <laughs> Disney Plus. Okay. Um, still watching Gilmore Girls. Oh right, because it would be Disney, because Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, still watching Gilmore Girls because it's just comforting. Mm-hmm. It's just like mm-hmm. I can feel like a warm blanket while I play Candy Crush or do the pop crossword. Like it's just my way to like decompress at night. Lorelai's character is basically the same in Parenthood, right? Yeah. I actually had a conversation with someone yesterday about Gilmore Girls because they were telling me how much they love Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which like just never was quite the same for me. Okay. But they said it feels so much more realistic that those kind of people would be having those conversations in a Jewish family. The thing about Gilmore Girls is it feels like people in Connecticut don't talk like that. And so he was like, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel really landed better for me. And I was like, well, I think the thing about Gilmore Girls is it's such a fantasy. Mm-hmm. That you can, like, be a white, boring Connecticut person and have those kinds of conversations and live in that town that, like, feels like a fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's so unrealistic. One of the least realistic shows to ever be on television, but I love it so much. Hmm. Um, and then I was going to watch After Some, but it was $20 and I was feeling poor. I remember that it was, I think I maybe wasn't paying attention. I was like, sure, rent or whatever. It was also, like, 1040 and I was like. <sighs> yeah, you. I, got, I woke up to a text because I go to bed at 9 now. Sure. Brag. Um, Is that a brag? No, it's because Skyler gets up at four thirty. So I'm like, well, I guess we go to bed at nine. Um, I I got a text from you at like ten fifty. I woke up this morning and I had a text from you at ten fifty p.m. And you're like, I'm not gonna watch this movie. And I was like, <laughs> oh shoot. Uh, I hope you will see it. Though. I will see it because it if After Sun is it's outrageously good. I'm waiting for it to not be twenty dollars. I'm also waiting for Tar to not be twenty dollars. Oh, Tar. Yeah, we need to watch that, too. Yeah. So, which brings us to our point. It is awards season, baby. Awards season. It's the time of year when I'm like, I love talking about this. Why am I qualified to talk about this? Not. We're not. We're not qualified. We're Mm -mm. not qualified to do this podcast. It has nothing to do with Utah. Mm -mm. We are not film critics. And yet, here we are. How many years in? Like, five. Uh... Six, maybe? Six years in. <laughs> Still going. The audacity. 
But we want to talk about Golden Globes over this week. We want to talk about what we're expecting from Oscar nominations, which should be coming out pretty soon. I think that it's like the 23rd of January or something. So we'll cover that then. But um, I want to talk about Best Picture first. Okay. Globes gave it to Fablemans, which you still have not seen. Right. So, and, and Globes has a couple of categories for Best Picture, right? Because they yeah, do like they a comedy. Yeah, drama and comedy, which is confusing and weird. And yeah. I don't know if I like it. And there's usually a lot of category fraud where things that like aren't actual comedies go in the comedy category because they're most likely to win there. So people have been making fun of this because Banshees of Insurance won Best Comedy or Musical. And I saw a tweet today that was like, I decided to watch Banshees because I needed a good comedy. Yeah. WTF. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's what we talked about on this podcast where I said this movie tricks you into thinking it's going to be this like little romp. happy romp. Yeah. And then it turns into something horrific. <laughs> Just devastating. Yeah. Um, also, everything, everywhere, all at once. I'm like, I guess it's a comedy, but it's it's so much more than a comedy. I, I agree with that. I think when I saw it in the theater, people were laughing throughout most of the movie out loud. Because it is funny. It is very funny. Very, very funny. All of the tax scenes are really funny. Really the rock scene. No, I would say it's a comedy. Okay. But it, obviously it's a comedy with a ton of heart and really, really heavy themes. Yes. Yeah. Which I guess is what I want from comedies. Yes. So I changed my position. Yeah, it's a comedy. Make more comedies like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working off the list Variety made here because Variety knows a lot better than I do what to expect from the Oscar nominations, but I want to hear your thoughts on these. Okay. Top Gun Maverick. Haven't seen it. It's great. It's not a Best Picture. I'm only going to see it if it's nominated for Best Picture. It's, I would love to know what you think. It was really fun. Mm -hmm. And I'm not an action person. I don't think it should win. I think it was a good movie. Okay. The Fablemans, which I've talked about already. I haven't seen it yet, but we're going to go this weekend. Good movie, not best picture. Banshees of Inner Sheeran. Masterpiece. Masterpiece. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Masterpiece. Masterpiece. Maybe the best movie I've ever seen. Tar. Um, I have heard it's devastating and phenomenal. Okay, I'm excited to see that. I've heard it's 10 out of 10. Will wreck your life. Okay. Elvis. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. <laughs> Elvis is not going to win Best Picture. Austin Butler might win Best Actor. And I cannot wait for a speech where he still thinks he's in Elvis. Uh, he seems a bit insufferable to me. Sure. Uh, Aren't I, they all? I thought, I thought Elvis was a B-movie. I thought he was really good in it. I don't want to see Elvis take a lot of screen time at the Oscars. I mean, it would be kind of hilarious mm -hmm. and all i want from awards show is hilarious speaking hilarious. of um what's her name died like yesterday i know Elvis lisa marie is, uh yeah lisa marie uh presley so sad yeah all quiet on the western front fantastic the whale i if if the whale is nominated for best picture i am going to like spit out my drink it is honestly meg I want you to see it so that you can see how bad it is. It's such a bad movie. Okay, just a quick reminder. Green Book won Best Picture. I know, I know, but we both saw Green Book and thought it's a it's a perfectly so enjoyable film. Worse. Meg, no, 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 no. I am telling you, this is a very bad movie. Okay. Green, Green Book was a good movie that should not have won Best Picture and had some major problems with the yeah. message it was teaching. But the, the performances in Green Book were good. 
The story was compelling. It was beautifully shot. Like, sure. yeah. we that, that was never our criticism about Green yeah. Book. The Whale, the you need to... I, I texted you after and said, this feels like something that was written by and performed by high school students. Yeah. Um, besides Brendan Fraser. It is... The dialogue is so bad in this movie. And the reactions the characters have to each other are just like hammy and like kids on a stage. It's terrible. Okay. Okay. Living, never heard of. What is it? A 1950s London, in 1950s London, a humorless civil servant decides to take time off work to experience life after receiving a grim diagnosis. Okay. Feels a little Mrs. Harris goes to Yeah, I was just going to say, didn't we see that? Justice for Mrs. Harris, where is she on this list? Mm Mm-hmm. Great Um, film. Perfect. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Okay, director. Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. Sure. Look, it's it's his movie. Sure. And I I could see them being like, sure, let's give it to him. He's done a lot, Mm -hmm. you know. Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inner Sheeran. Great. Todd Field for Tar. Joseph Kosinski for Top Gun Maverick or Charlotte Wells for After Sun. Oh, we got a female on there. Oh, I, oh, I didn't know that was a female director. What do you think of the directing in After Sun? It's so, Meg, it, that movie is a masterpiece. Um, I told you I watched it twice in 24 hours and I cannot stop thinking about it. And I'm like obsessed with this movie because I keep going on Twitter and just like searching after sun so i can read like the twitter dialogue about it because twitter loves that movie as well okay the re- the reason why i found it is somebody um tweeted out and said what's the what is the most perfect final scene of a movie and a whole bunch of people and it's recency bias but a whole bunch of people were like after sun has the best ending i've seen oh, in years wow. and so i was like oh i need to watch this movie and it is uh the whole thing is fantastic okay. yeah i promise i'm watching it okay um the Notable exception from that list, I think, is the Daniels for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, such a good movie. Um, And, you know, I do wonder if, like, the Academy just isn't ready for goofiness. Okay. Um, And Baz Luhrmann for Elvis. Mm-hmm. I don't think Baz Luhrmann has ever received any sort of recognition from the Academy. Correct me if I am wrong. So their predicted nominees for Best Actor are Austin Butler for Elvis, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inner Sheeran, Bill Nighy for Living. Oh, so it's Bill Nighy. Oh, oh okay. okay. And Gabrielle LaBelle for The Fablemans. Oh, he's good. That's he's a like de- the that's kid. That's a decent list. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Anyone missing? Uh, Paul Mescal for After Sun. Okay. Should be on there, I think. Uh, he's Irish. <laughs> he's. I think he's, he's Scottish. He's Peter Bridger's boyfriend i think he's scottish okay um at least he's scottish and after son i don't know uh anybody else missing did you say everything ever all at once is he on well there? no because the lead is michelle yao he would be best supporting actor what this is best actor, actor. so he, oh, but he would be supporting lead. yeah i never understand how they decide those categories because i feel like he's i don't a know lead. if they understand either um, um yeah and anyone else Tom Hanks for A Man Called Otto. I think it looks terrible. I think it looks bad, too. Um, But it's been on some lists, so it could just be, like, bad trailer, great movie, which is how I feel about the menu. What about Tom Hanks and Elvis? <laughs> <laughs> if he gets the Best Supporting nomination for that, I have lost all faith. 
in this institute. So bad. Not that I have a lot of faith in the academy to begin with. Also, Brendan Brendan Gleeson for Banshees of Inner Sheeran. I wouldn't be surprised if he got nominated. The uh the lead in uh All Quiet on the Western Front, I think should be in in that category yeah and this is the problem we keep encountering is like foreign, foreign film. films are just kind of widely disregarded mm -hmm. with the par with the exception of parasite yeah um best actress sorry website's not loading michelle yao for everything everywhere all once she won the Fantastic. globe she's incredible in it yeah. kate blanchett for tar i love kate i've blanchett. just heard i mean i think it's those two i saw a funny tweet that said the oscar race between those two are going to ruin friendships uh, uh, has Kate won one yet? I actually don't know. I think she's I would be so surprised. Didn't she win good. for Blue Jasmine? She might have. I loved that movie. Oh, it was problematic. I know. I know. <laughs> so bad. Viola Davis for The Woman King. I never saw it. I feel bad. I never saw it. I heard she was great in it. Anna de Armas in Blonde. People hated Blonde. Did you see it? No. I can't do it. No. I the the NC seventeen rating like got a ton of press and buzz and so I read articles about it and it just kind of sounds depressing depressing and gross to me I don't yeah. know Daniel Deadweiler for Till Danielle Deadweiler for Till which I also didn't see that I'm a, not a good person did you see it No I wanted to and I just forgot about it till right now so um missing from this list is Michelle Williams for the Fablemans which I need you to see the Fablemans and we're, tell me what we're you gonna think. see this okay. weekend we're going uh Kate Blanchett won. Uh, the Academy Award for The Aviator. Whoa. I don't even know what that movie is. Remember with Leonardo DiCaprio? Mm. He's the recluse who... Um, Howard Hughes... Not Howard Hughes. Was it Howard Hughes? I don't know. Okay. Oh, and she and she won for Blue Jasmine, so she's won two. She's won twice. I mean, and well-deserved. She's... Oh she's God. one of our greatest. She really is. She really is. Uh, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans is not on that. And Olivia Colman for Empire of Light, which... I don't know anyone who's seen, but it looks good. It's probably good if Olivia Colman's in it. And Margot Robbie for Babylon, a truly a movie I truly don't think anyone uh, is seeing. I can't see that. It's good, like three and a half hours. Good for you, Margot Robbie. I, and people are making fun of it so hard. I and mean, it just feels like it looks like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on crack. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I kind of. I'm. I'm kind of over old hollywood same films right now Hail like I caesar just... i was like all right yeah we, we got, got it, it. Yeah. okay um predicted nominees for best supporting actor are ki hui kwan his mm. golden globe speech was devastating i was wait sobbing. i didn't see it why he just talked about how he was a child actor and he was so lucky as a child actor and then he just wondered is that it for me they're just like no there was no more work and you know there's yeah, a lot of racism he, in that indiana jones indiana and jones and goonies, goonies and then um 16 candles mm -hmm. and then everything just dried up and no one had roles for him and then the daniels wrote for him and everything everywhere all at once and he's like you changed my life he, and he is so good in it and so good in one it. one thing that that movie needs to get credit for the actors need to get credit for in that movie is they're playing a lot of different characters because the the premise of the film is that they're like flashing through all these different versions of themselves. Yeah. And they so seamlessly walk through different versions of their own character. And it is really powerful. But, well, all three of the, the family members in that are just so good at doing that role. We should probably do a full episode on everything we did. all at once. We did? Yeah, we did, Meg. We cried through it. I am <laughs> getting old. 
Brendan Go back and listen to that. <laughs> yeah. I can't even keep track of like what I ate. Okay, Brendan Gleeson for the Banshees of Inner Sheeran. So good in it. But like, are, is he going to get best actor or best supporting? Because they have like equal time. I mean, you know what? We see more of I, Colin Farrell. Yeah. I yeah. think he's clearly a, he's a, this is a Colin Farrell movie and everybody else is kind of around him. He's so good. Barry Keegan for the Banshees of Inner Sheeran. That's who I think it should go to. Also just like scene stealer. He, uh, he, he won that movie for me. Paul Dano for the Fablemans. I was hard on Paul Dano after seeing this. I've come around, like, I think his quiet performance is really effective. Okay. I don't think it's as good as the other people on this list. Okay. Uh, Judd Hirsch for The Fablements. He is actually very good in it and a real scene stealer. He's only in it for all of 10 minutes, but mm. he is phenomenal in okay. it. Okay. Um, missing from that list is Brad Pitt for Babylon. We don't, Brad Pitt doesn't need more attention. Mm-mm. Tom, oh my gosh, Tom Hanks for Elvis. <laughs> um, And Eddie Redmayne for The Good Nurse. No. Have you seen it? No, but I, I don't <laughs> want Eddie Redmayne to win anything ever. <laughs> And Ben Winshaw for Women Talking. I've oh. seen the trailer for Women Talking, and I'm like, <sighs> I love Ben Winshaw, though. I know, but it's going to be a chore to watch. It's like it about is. Mennonite women who want to get out of their community, and it's just going to mm. feel like a real bummer. Mm-hmm. But if it's nominated, I'll watch it. Um, supporting actress. So Vanessa Williams won, which I thought was surprising. Or sorry, Angela Bassett. Oh my gosh, I'm the worst. Mm. Angela Bassett won. She they're expecting her to be nominated for Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Carrie Condon and Banshees of Inner Sheeran. Mm. Really good. Yeah, very. She was great in that. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything yes. Everywhere All at Once. Really, really good. Yes. One of the highlights of the Globe is when she just like exclaims in joy when Michelle Yao won. Aww. Really sweet. Hong Chow for every for the whale. Uh, the English teacher. No, it's not the English teacher. Who's Hong Chow in it? In the whale? Yeah. Um, she is his spoiler. Well, I won't spoil. She is his friend who takes care of him. Okay. Like helps take care of him. Um she, I believe, showed up the first day on set and they were like, you're the no-nonsense nurse who takes care of him and tells him the things he needs to hear. And she was like, got it. And that was her whole character. <laughs> Michelle Williams for The Fablemans. I've already talked about how I feel about that performance. However, Steven watched some clips of Steven Spielberg's actual mother and said, actually, Michelle Williams was underplaying it. Oh, so it could wow. be this problem of like the actual person really was that bonkers, but the performance still feels too bonkers. That's uh, remember the movie Dick, the Richard Nixon yeah. comedy. Uh, the the two who who were who were the women in that? Um, Kirsten Dunst Kirsten and Dunstan. uh, Romy from Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, or Michelle from Romy and Michelle. We're High doing School. her such a disservice by not saying her name, but um, apparently those two young women. When they saw the depiction of Richard Nixon in the movie Dick, like how he was playing, were like, it's kind of over the top. And people were like, no, that was how Richard Nixon (laughs) actually was. And like Anna Delvey, you know, everyone was like, what is Julia Garner doing? And then we saw footage of Anna Delvey and we're like, oh, okay. What one day there's going to be a movie about the Trump era and kids are going to be like, there's no no way. No way. He was like that. (laughs) Um, Missing from this is. Stephanie Sue for everything, everywhere, all at once for the daughter. Mm, mm-hmm. Carrie Mulligan for she said, I thought she was good. I don't think she deserved an Oscar for it. And Jesse Buckley from Women Talking. And then Nina Haas for Tar, 
which I think I know what role she plays, but I need to actually watch it. Okay. Um, original screenplay. Banshees of Inner Sheeran. Such as like perfect. Yeah. Perfectly written film. Yep. Tar. Uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Also a perfectly, perfectly written, written film. film. The Fablemans. You know, it could it could go to them. And Triangle of Sadness, which I have not seen, but people loved. Oh, haven't heard of it. Um, Missing from that, obviously, is After Sun, Babylon, Elvis, The Woman King, Till. Um, all their possibilities include The Menu, RRR, which is from India, and people really like, and Empire of Light. I kind of feel like it's anyone's game. Mm-hmm. We'll see who the noms actually are. And then adapted screenplay. Are there any other categories you care about? Because that's kind of it. I don't me. think so. I, I care a lot about the documentary category, but I haven't seen any, so it wouldn't be fun we're, to talk we're, about. We don't really have opinions yeah. on that. Adapted screenplay. I'm trying to think what would be adapted this year. Well, All Quiet on the Western Front. Mm. Women Talking, Living. I think Women Talking is probably, oh, it's a, it's a novel. Okay. Living is a book. Glass Onion. Okay. Oh, because it's a of, sequel. yeah, because it's a sequel. I forgot that was a thing. All Quiet on the Western Front, mm-hmm. based on the novel. Top Gun Maverick, because it's a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, missing from that is A Whale, Man Called Otto, White Noise, which I haven't seen and hasn't made much of a splash, but the it. book is apparently super crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Panther Forever, because it's a sequel. Okay. So, I mean... I think this is a good year of films. I do, too. And I feel like it's really going to come down to Fablemans, Banshees of Inner Sharon, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Tar for a lot of these categories. Okay. So, we'll obviously be talking about them. Um, we're going to see what the actual nominations are when they are released on January 23rd, you it's, said? Yeah, it's a late January sometime. Um, but I'm feeling excited about this year. Mm-hmm. Last year, I was not feeling very excited about it. Um, yeah. But I think there's some real potential, and it could be a fun night. Last year was kind of a snoozer in the Best Picture category. Who even won? It was Coda. Oh, yeah. Which was like a perfectly it. fine movie. You know what? Um, Coda is, wor- is worth watching. Okay. It's it's a comfort film. It's very, it goes down very easy. It doesn't require much of your attention. Okay. Uh, and so, but like, it was one that when it won, I was like that. Okay. <laughs> green you book? Know. Yeah. Not green, not green book. <laughs> li- no, green book elicited an emotion out of me. Coda was just like, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll be back. We'll be talking about all of this. We're heading into like the time of the year when we're going to be watching all these movies and talking about them, which is my favorite time of the year. Mm-hmm. It might be a listener's like least favorite time of the year. Who knows? But guess what? It's Love our it. podcast. Love it. Oh, and next week, do you want to do West Side Story? Yes, for Patreon. Yeah. For We're going to do the, the bonus feed. It's 1960s West Side Story. West Side Story. See you then. Mm-hmm.